We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. But once I put Madison in and then put Townsend in instead of cigarettes in and then start putting other people in my lineup... I go, the probability of this whole lineup combined hitting their median projections, you want to use that term instead of floor, uh, for 55th percentile score in double-ups, I like the one without that. This is the Fantasy Soccer Podcast from Rotowire.com, your premier source for fantasy sports. For player news, rankings, projections, and the best fantasy soccer stats around, please visit Rotowire.com slash soccer. And now, here are Andrew Laird and Jordan Cooper. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. My name is Andrew Laird, Senior Soccer Editor of Rotowire. Joining this Monday by Jordan Cooper to talk about Saturday's Daily Fantasy Premier League slate, as well as another topic that Jordan just uh, dropped on me that he'd like to discuss. But first, I have to ask Jordan have you bought some sort of Icelandic national jersey yet? Well, you, you called it, right? You, you said on the podcast that. Although I'm saying, like, I like Madison over Sigurdsson, that I'm just going to end up with Sigurdsson in my lineup regardless, because I just tend to default towards uh, a more conservative cash-building strategy. And uh, and you, you were right. And it, it pri- primarily came out, to because I, I need to fill forward spots, and I'm not playing Kane. Yep. Like, and I try, and I try to Kane-build, and I'm like, no, what am I doing here? This is stupid. Uh so like, and I was going to play Berger Munson. So like, I need a second. Fi- I w- I consider Townsend, who we, you have in your lineup. Yep. Uh, but it didn't get me anywhere. Like, mm-hmm. like I considered Sun also at eight K. Townsend mm. at at. But I mean, Sun, you're getting what off of Sigurdsson? You're getting nine hundred. I can't. What I I look to it's where I enough. can use the nine hundred. I'm like. I'd still in this lineup. I'd still rather have Sigurdsson for the. I mean, it doesn't do me anything. And then yeah. even going down Townsend at sixty seven hundred, I kind of felt the same way. So I'm like, I guess I I'd rather play Madison, but really with the eligibility positional wise, like I'll I'll just go with Sig. I mean, Sigurdsson is the majority set piece taker for Everton and playing Leicester, and they're not. Unless they're in a powerhouse or anything, so, mm-hmm. uh, so okay. I mean, I, I didn't like doing it, but 
Like my my heart. You would think in terms of like Sigurdsson gets my heart and Gelfi we trust, but actually, like I thought my lineup was the brain play, and not the heart play. The heart play was <laughs> Madison, o- only because the brain play of that we have positional requirements, yep. not of anything else. Like if these were flex positions, it would it would have been easy. There's no way picked, you play Sigurdsson. That's yeah. right. I would have played Madison over Sigurdsson. But I'm looking through, going, I'm not playing Kane, uh, and like what? What's the best option? I I I find mid level, mid to low level midfielders that are viable enough mm-hmm. that I could get enough points out of them that I don't want to restrict myself at a forward slot, which is very thin when it comes to reliable points. Mm-hmm. So th- I mean, from that logic, it does make sense. Yeah. I mean, you went the complete opposite way. Well, I decided to play Kane, and that's what pushes you the complete opposite. Yeah, right. But you even decided you. It seemed from your lineup that you prioritized three guys: Kane, Madison, and Holovus. Yep. And then you like had, and then you then you figured it out. So to go over our lineups, since people following at home are like, I can't see it in front of me. Yeah. Uh, my lineup: JBG, Sigurdsson, Moy. Indeedy, which I know you're going to have a little thing I've, about. I've had a fail, field day about it, but you, that's not over, yes. Right. Uh, Trippier, Holobus, Ricardo Pereira, thank you, Luckbox, and Dubrovka in goal. Mm-hmm. And then your lineup was Townsend and Kane at the forward spots, Moy, Madison, Shelby as your midfielders. Mm-hmm. You also had Dubrovka in goal, and you had Holobus and Francis. Mm-hmm. Your lineup was seventy eight point two five, and my lineup was one hundred and thirteen point two five. Mm-hmm. But I got the best out of like, I got the best out of, I got the highest range of outcomes out of pretty much all of my players. Yes, right, toward towards the highest part of their range of outcomes, and you got uh, the lower part of the range of outcomes on at least two of your like your two main pieces and the highest owned pieces were the ones that got on the lower end of their range for sure. In fact, Kane and Madison. Madison was below his range, I would argue. Right, but I mean, yes, I guess below his. But I mean, a, a f- you got a floor or sub-floor game. Like Kane 9.25, not 9.5, like that's the low part of his range, but it's still a dud for 11K. Sure, yeah, yeah. It's a dud with a like yellow card too. Right. So like Kane was 61% owned in the $5 mm-hmm. single entry double up. Madison was 48% owned. Holobus was 50% owned. Mm-hmm. Uh, JBG was 52% owned. Trippier was 44. Dubrovka was the highest owned goalkeeper at 33%. Yeah. And Shelby was 36% owned, who I could have played. Yeah, instead uh, of Ndidi. Yeah, but then I, I also, then the Pereira spot, like, it's just enough. It's a 300 difference where there was there was no one else to play. Like, oh, you I couldn't wanted have played. To play. I could have played another Huddersfield fullback. I could have played low, and that would have been fine. But I did. I just. I did with Moy in my lineup. I didn't want to have two Huddersfield players. Yeah, I felt the same way. So I get the shot. I mean, Shelby hit the absolutely top end of his floor. Yep. Because I mean, he he didn't have a goal or an assist, right? He didn't assist. Oh, he had an assist, but it's yeah, ten. Yeah. But it was still a ten point floor, right? So so I mean, but I get that. I I get the play. Hey, that's my that's my play. That's why I was, like, I was shocked to see Ndidi instead of Shelby in your lineup. Right, because you would look at and go, well, who's playing? Someone's playing John Joe. Someone's playing Aditi. Who? And exactly. Like, right, and you would think the opposite people on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> I made a cane lineup earlier in the week, and uh, I was, I don't want to say I was fully dependent on Adam Atriore, but I loved the lineup I made with Triore. And I essentially ignored it all week that he might not start. And then Friday I was like, I really need to build a, a, a lineup where I don't have him because it's possible he doesn't start. And uh, I wasn't home for the, for lineup lock for the, that hour. My daughter had a soccer game. So I'm doing all of this. Always on my phone. blaming the kids. That's your yeah. brand. Yeah. Hashtag yeah. blame the kids. Yeah. In fairness, I cashed in all the double ups I was in with this score anyway. So. Right. Cause that's, the, that's your only goal. Um, so it doesn't, I technically, my lineup for a cash lineup was a bad job because I wasted points. In fact, yeah, if I would have put this lineup in the Scorpion kick, I would have won it. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> right? Because typically I don't put my cat. I, yeah, I put you my don't. Ca- 
I put my cash lineup in like the slide tackle, so like the fifty dollar one, which yeah. is like sixty eight people. Yep. And I think I came in second in that in that one. And then the scorpion kick, I do a separate lineup, which is similar to cash, but typically with one, like like a two v two change that yep. I think is higher upside. Sure. And uh, I didn't. I wasn't going in wasn't banking apparently. on a Ricardo Pereira goal. So yeah. So that just happened to happen. But it just that's. It's not tilt to me. I mean, I I, yeah, yeah, no, I don't yeah. I don't. It's a hundred and three man contest. I know a lot of sharper, higher stakes, whatever. Do play like the one lineup guys play their lineup in that. Yep. And so be it. And I play a separate lineup. I mean, but that's that's my play style and whatever. So I'm, I'm sure. not I'm not tilting like oh I could have won five k in the one eighty. And that's that's just what happens. Yeah, I get it. Um, so. All I'm doing is highlighting the fact that you like you made it over the line. So like technically from a from a financial perspective, if you're just playing double ups, mm-hmm. our results are the same. Mm-hmm. Assuming obviously obviously your score wasn't good enough in higher stakes double ups. Um it wasn't, I could tell you that. Seventy eight wouldn't have cut it. Yeah, you the highest. Need, I think was you needed I think you needed like eighty seven. Like in a twenty five dollar or fifty dollar, hundred dollar like that that was much sharper. I think like 87 was the cash line around there. I was in the single entry 25 and that cashed. Okay. But that's still a bigger that's a bigger size double up. Yeah. Oh bigger, yeah. Bigger yeah, sure. bigger I mean that's bigger I field. Bigger. Right. Yeah, of course. Right. Okay. Sure. Um so uh going through all of that, I I decided I wanted to play Kane and the decision for me was whether I was going to play Kane and JBG. And uh I really just didn't like anything that I built with those two. Uh, it's obviously a significant amount because it was going to be those two and Madison. Right, I, I the, the problem come, came in, you had to prioritize these set-piece taking high-priced defenders. Uh, I, I'll i be honest, I didn't really think about Trippier. I mean, I obviously, I obviously But I mean, you still it. have to think about Holbus, but the whole yes. point is that, like, if you go, yes. I'm going to play Burgard, Munson, Kane, and Madison, Yep. like, it's and then play Holbus, it's like, yeah, now, I thought about it. Like you, you. I, I don't even know. I don't even know how you even get there. You get there with uh, instead of Moy, you play Ndidi. So you play Ndidi and Shelby. Uh, Dubrovka was fine, and instead of Francis, I probably play um, a center back. Yeah, probably a center back. Right. Um, which I didn't want to do. Sometimes I do that, but I didn't want to do that this time. So uh, I never. The, the difficulty is, is that I never really worked enough on a non-Kane and JBG lineup. And so I'm kind of playing around with things on my phone, which is not usually how I do. I'm just full of excuses. Um, yeah, I don't but you usually cash. You cashed. I, I, I'm, I'm almost yeah, yeah, like... Yeah, but still. Typically, I'd be ragging um, on you, but but no. I'm, I'm saying that you yeah, got yeah. to the 55th percentile, so that's mm-hmm. all that matters. Yeah. Um, I was going to play... I actually originally had Derm and decided to play Francis instead because Derm hadn't been crossing that much. And Francis, as a fullback, we've spoken on this podcast plenty of times, is is worth the play. I wasn't convinced um, he was going to play as a fullback, though. Okay, that's fair. Right. I, I, I mean, I did, thought, I did, I did look at the the formations, but it could yeah. easily have been possible with the way that you mm-hmm. can't just automatically trust yeah, no, the formations can't. that Absolutely. Opta puts at Absolutely. that, Adam which we Smith, learned with Huddersfield. Right. Well, Adam Smith could play, and then Frazier could play as a wing back. Yep. I mean, Brooks could play. I mean, like the Bournemouth setup, like if. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna risk it. So I mean, yeah. especially no, I when that. I prioritize. Since I'm not playing Kane, I prioritize. It's like trip your holobus in my defender spots. Yep. Like just I, immediately. And I think and... that's where I would have gone. Um, as I was tinkering around, I got to a Kane. Uh, instead of Kane Goodmanson, I had Kane Sigurdsson, and for two hundred difference, it was only it was only a two hundred dollar difference. And I actually, I don't know what made me comfortable with this lineup. But I almost played it, and I thought to myself, if I'm really going to get to two, like $200 from Sigurdsson to JBG, I really should just play JBG. But then I was just back to my Kane-JBG lineup that I didn't really want to play. So then I was like, all right, what forwards can I play? And really the only one was Townsend. Right, which, I, I mean, he was the best of the rest. Exactly, yes. That's exactly how like, I would put right. it. Right. I wasn't thrilled about doing it. That's what I consider mm-hmm. playing Townsend instead of Sigurdsson. Yep. Uh, but the 2200, it's like I'm going from Ndidi to what? I'm going from Pereira to what? If I can't get up to Madison, like what am I? Go- what what, what are, are you doing? Well, the the, the one that that 
interested me ever so slightly, I didn't really pursue it enough, was Frazier because there was no Rico and no Stanislas. And it was like, that's that's kind of an opportunity to play Frazier instead yeah, but it's a of 500, Madison. But it's a 500 difference. It's like, just get right. Madison. The exactly. same thing that I thought when it came to Matinho. I mm-hmm. thought that the floors of Matinho and Moy were the and same. Moy. And Moy was 5,100 and Matinho was 6,500. Yeah, there was no way I was playing Matinho. But, I mean, I could have. I could have played Matinho in uh, Pereira spot. Like, I could have gone yeah, from Sigurdsson sure. down to Townsend and then Pereira up to Matinho. But I thought the floor difference between Ricardo Pereira in an advanced position and Matinho, I think Matinho's higher, but not significantly enough where I need to prioritize it. And not and then play Townsend instead of Sigurdsson. That's why I, I like. That. That's why I look at Ndidi and go, "What's the difference between the, the any any of these guys' floors underneath 4K?" I mean, John Joe's on the road in a game where they're not going to have that much possession, and he obviously is a yellow red card risk or whatever. I mean, but it's a it's a 300 difference. I'd rather play John Joe Shelby over Wilfred Ndidi. I just don't have the 300. Going from Pereira to who? I mean, I would. I. I. I just thought if I'm not playing Madison, I don't mind pl- playing another Leicester player, whether it be Chilwell or Pereira. I was going to say, so, why did you take Chilwell, or why didn't you? Just because Pereira was advanced. Yeah, and well, I it's also like had a, the money. I mean, sh- Pereira. Was, well, they were the same price. No, they were a hundred dollar difference. Sure, but like you had the hundred dollars, didn't you? Yeah, but I mean, this this lineup zeroed out. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying and it's like, a psychological thing, I guess. Yeah. No, but I know I, I I didn't mind I I didn't mind either, but if I'm not playing Madison, I I think I like Pereira in an advanced position, huh? As far as leverage is concerned, I I, I neither is going to be owned. Like I don't feel like oh, enough people Chilwell talking about Chilwell. Yeah, but he's still what he was sixteen percent. I mean, we're not talking about a it's we're talking about cash games. Mm-hmm. I don't, Pereira has more upside. That's essentially what I mean by like I'm not playing Madison, but let's say Madison has a goal, it could. Easily come from Pereira playing in an advanced position. Let me get that assist. Let me get that goal, which I did. Mm-hmm. Madison didn't get the assist. I just I think I, that's you're basically playing a you're playing Jeff Schlupp. He's not that bad as Jeff Schlupp. No, he's better than Jeff Schlupp. But you're just you're playing a de, a defender like this. This like oh yeah, he's upside because he's playing in advanced position. Like we've seen Pereira have horrible games playing in this. Advanced that's correct, position. but he's also clean sheet eligible. So I mean. Mm-hmm. But, I, hey, I could have played Chilwell, and, I mean, obviously wouldn't have had as high of a score, but still did fine. I'm just surprised that you went Chilwell. I mean, Pereira over Chilwell. That's yeah, it just, I it, think this advanced position is overrated. Well, but obviously it, it's it was not, a psychological thing. I It was exactly like zero. So mm-hmm. I just – that's not a good reason. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm admitting that that's not a good yeah. reason. Like, I just was, because it zeroes out versus like having 100 left. Like, don't just automatically pay for the $100 more guy. Sure. When, Sure. No, I get that. But I did. Um, I actually left six hundred on the table. Uh, I think what? I needed now, this seven. This makes your lineup even horrible. Like, well, you, yeah, went, yeah. you did all of this, and you still left six hundred on the table. I think I needed seven hundred to get from Francis to low, and I did have kind of this small thought that maybe Shelby doesn't start, and the six hundred got oh, me got you to Fred. Got you to got Fred, Fred if Fred was in. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, I I I forgive you. The the funny thing is though, if Fred and Shelby were both in, I'm pretty sure I don't play Fred. So then you know, I might probably, the table I probably for nothing. Do. Yeah, I probably do play Fred, but like, but still, like if neither of them are in, who do you get for 4,400? No one. If what? Who do you get for 4,400 though? Fred. No, if both of them aren't in. Oh, bo- oh yeah, I'm dead. Right. Okay. I took that risk at least. Okay. I played. Managers. I thought you were making a somewhat, somewhat possibly sensible move, and then you're like, "Well, I would have still played Shelby anyway." No, no, no. I, I, I mean, I would have played Fred. I would have wanted to play Shelby, and I would have played Fred, and it would have been a disaster, or maybe not. Who knows? <sighs> but Madison, I just Madison's been too much of my brand this year to not play him, and I understand no, why you didn't play. No, but he was a fine play. Him. What? What? Yeah. He, he was a. Dud. It's not like I saw the dud coming. No, no, no. I get that. I get that. It's not like I saw the eleven percent owned in cash. Sigurdsson does it does it again game. Yeah, I really can't believe you played Indeedy over Shelby. I'm not going to let. No, that I didn't have out. the money. I didn't have the money. What was I going to do? 
Go down to Etheridge? Etheridge, right. Yeah. No. No, you're not going to do that. Okay. Right. This lineup, this lineup is my brand outside of Ndidi, right? That's a big outside. Hey, 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 hold on. I've played in cash lineups before. Instead of Ndidi, I would have played, I played like a Mario Lamina, right? Or it has to be Lamina for that to be my brand. Right. Like, I'm you not going to play Philip sure Billing there. But, I mean, Philip Billing at 4,900, really. I'm not going to oh, do man. that. But look, I got two Lester pieces that weren't Madison in. Yeah. That's kind of like, like if I'm not going to play Madison, why don't I just still play Lester? No, I get that. I'm not sure Indeedee is like the key to the Lester. I, I know that. He had yeah. a good first 20 minutes where he got all his points and then didn't do anything after that. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I'll take credit for calling the uh, the GPP game of the slate, watford Burnmouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, almost. I played almost. I, I played the wrong side of the game, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I did call the game, right? Mm-hmm. I could. That's a what tout one on one thing. Red card hurt. I played a, a Manchester United stack that you almost got would, there, unless you. But you you played the 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 best play. You played the wrong. You played Lukaku, who did nothing. Yeah, and Dini. Those were my two forwards in the in a Manchester United. Like I needed other pieces, and I decided to play Dini. In this high-scoring Watford Burnmouth game, right, and I, I played a lot of Deeney, when it turned out Callum Wilson was the Sun lineups, Oof. right. When I should have played, guessing, guessing you didn't make a lot of money on those. <laughs> no, GPP was horrible. No, no, because yeah. I went the wrong way everywhere, right. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. play much Sigurdsson in GPP because I'm like, well, that's more of a floor play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently not. No, not at all. Richard, played, although Richarlison did score. Right, I thought about I, Richarlison I, instead of Sigurdsson, and I was like, I can't have this conversation again. Richarlison's playing as a up front. I'm not and he scored. that. Yeah. Okay. Sure. I played zero Bournemouth because I wanted to get all the combinations of all those Watford goals. Right. Roberto P- Pereira. Because I playing Holobus Dini Pereira. Give me four goals. Whoops. <laughs> um, the funny thing about Richarlison. Starting in the nine, season high four crosses. Who was he crossing it to? Does it matter? No, it doesn't. I guess it doesn't. <laughs> four I crosses. Don't understand? I guess on counters, the, the guy's game is get the ball. amazingly. He scored on his only shot. That was the problem. He didn't shoot as much. Completed set, uh, third most passes of the season. Like there's no difference in him except that he doesn't shoot as much. Which that's weird. Maybe he, him and Walcott were switching. I, I didn't watch that game. Like, they could have just rotated. Like, instead, he wasn't really playing as a nine. He was playing as a, like, as a false nine. And then going a roaming around. And then Walcott would come and go around. And Sigurdsson would play up there or whatever. Who knows? I, know, I don't play with Charleston. I know. I'm just saying. The right. crossing, playing in the nine, not a factor. In fact, he crosses more. Um, I got nothing else on that slate. You have some big topic you wanted to discuss. Not big topic. Sounded very it's not, big. It's, it's not a big topic. Revolutionary no, daily it's, fantasy it's soccer strategy. It's something we've talked discussion. about before. Oh. It's it's something we've talked. It, it it goes into like whenever I mention like my conservative style or whatever, I'm talking more from a perspective of reducing variance than optimizing. I guess for the top end ROI if you understand okay. what I mean so I like do. I take a look at your lineup like and you play Kane and whenever I talk about like outcome when, whenever we talk about like floors and ceilings or whatever it, I'm, I'm getting into this topic a lot of time a lot because of yesterday's NFL slate because of Twitter conversations whatever I know this is the soccer podcast but it, it carries over it's the same type of thing of especially in NFL uh, where there's a lot more analytics people that it seems like a lot of people, um, a lot of people that are kind of outside of daily fantasy that also do dabble in daily fantasy or provide information that pertains possibly to daily fantasy, uh, like spend 95% of their time on projection models and getting a number to put on a player and not nearly as much time on like the game of daily fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
this is the reason why I say, like, in GPP, you could do whatever you want. Because the range of outcomes for anyone could be whatever. Look, mm-hmm. this, David Moore, who's like a who-knows-who for the Seahawks, got two touchdowns yesterday. He was probably .1% owned. If you would have told me you played him, I would have said, in the millionaire maker, because your payout is so high, I, I can't say that you're completely wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, he may only see the field five times in this whole game. But I can't call you stupid for that payout structure. But in a double-up, where you just have to get to the 55th percentile, and you gain nothing by getting more than that, mm-hmm. that's a dumb play. Mm-hmm. That concept, mm-hmm. like that that fundamental concept of the contest type that you're in, warrants how you view all of the analytics, how you view all of all the matchups, all the games, all the totals, all the everything. That matters more than any of that. Mm-hmm. That's the game of DFS. So like when when you when you take when you take someone like uh I mean I'm looking at your lineup like Kane, his range of outcomes is wide. His range of outcomes on the high end happens more frequently than someone like Simon Francis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the bust rate of Kane versus the bust rate of Bergen Munson, Bergen Munson busts at his price much less frequently than Kane. Right? Uh, I think... Like, the ra- if you sit a distribution <clears throat> curve of a range of outcomes mm-hmm. on, on Johan Bergen Munson... You'd obviously see one fifty-point game in his career, right? You'll see. You'll. I mean, it's not going to be zero. Uh, outside of being injured, the likelihood of him putting up zero is well, about right, extremely low. Mm-hmm. If Kane put up a zero, it would be low, but not as, but lower than JBG's, right? Sure. Like the likelihood right. of either well, the likelihood of either of them putting up a zero. I'm going on the extreme ends of the spectrum, just to show the point of what's the probability of JBG putting up a zero versus Kane putting up a zero. Kane's probability of putting up a zero is higher. Sure. Right? Okay. So now you move that along the spectrum. Three points. Kane put yeah. up three po- I mean, you go to, and let's say you get a median number and you put the projection on Kane based on all the options to be 11. And you put Good Munson's projection as 9.5. Mm-hmm. Now, given the price per dollar, that's about the same because JBG was 9,100 and Kane was 11K, right? Yeah. This was a uh, of an odd. Slate though they're usually never that close. I know, I know, but I'm I'm using this as an example. I mean, this is for a more general point. I'm just trying to relate it to the soccer slate rather than NFL. But if you put two people on the same exact median projection, which if you want to p- paste a number on it, we've I've said this before on the podcast about you should always view projections as ranges of outcomes. When you're just shooting for the 55th percentile and getting the first place in a double up doesn't get you any points. You probably should lean towards the player in a, in a, I mean, if you're just comparing two players to the one that has the most chance of getting that median result rather than the most chance of getting that median result over a million times over. Cause uh-huh. Kane versus JBG like Kane, you're going to see 38 points way more than JBG, but it still may only happen 6% of the time. Yep. JBG will happen 1% of the time, but JBG will put up 12 points as in a distribution curve, somewhere between 10 and 14 points, probably more often than Kane as part of that part, that bump on the distribution curve. Kane, you'll see more sixes, sevens, eights. You'll also see, 18s, 19s, 20s. I think it's closer than you think. I'm not saying that it's not. I'm not. Hey, I'm not saying that it's not close. It could be absolutely 
equal. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking, I'm not saying this to say this is why you fade Kane. This is not the uh, this is not the discussion that I'm having. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to use this as an example of if you put them exactly on, like you playing Kane in cash, and anyone else that played Kane in cash, I think is perfectly, I think is fine. I could have played Kane in cash. Yep. I could have played JBG in cash. Mm-hmm. From a variance perspective, playing JBG is lower variance than playing Kane. Even if you put the distribution curve of, if you played this slate and you played it over again a million times and played the $5 single entry double up, playing one over the other comes out to equal, right? Uh-huh. If we just if we make it as the median projection is sure. the same number. So technically, it doesn't matter what you do. But along the way, since you're not playing it a million times over, I'm going to go away from the guy that's boomer bust-ish, more so, in that spot than the guy that isn't. Especially in a contest type where when he does boom, you don't get anything for it. Because mm-hmm. it's possible that Kane scores, puts up an 18, right? A 20 on this pass late. And JBG puts up his 13. I would have still been fine with my lineup. Mm-hmm. And everyone with Kane would, I mean, the cash line just would have been higher. So thinking in terms of that for the contest type that you're in matters. And then the I secondary part. JBG too much credit for his, this game past. This I'm, past I'm, I'm, just, I'm using an example. I'm, I'm, no, I know. But I'm just I'm, saying that you're, I think you're giving him floor credit for this assist, which we tend to do with JB. Like, I, I, I think... I'm not sure the range of outcomes is as different as you, as you. But it is different. And I think if if JBG doesn't get his assist and Kane does get his goal, your your results are totally flipped. I still cash, based on my lineup. With everybody else getting the Kane goal. Yeah, I mean it's that's a sixteen point swing. That's right, and I, I'm okay. still at ninety six at that point, ninety seven. Okay. I'm just using this as an example. I'm not using this as slate. I I, I really want to get away from like the, whatever example. Don't think of burger. Don't think of anything. A and B. Mm-hmm. Think of it outside of sports. Even think of this purely as math. Okay, that's the point that I'm making. Is that now you have to take those players and compare it to the rest of the lineup. Mm-hmm. And I go, what? Think in terms of. Boom and bust. These are bad terms. I'm trying to make it in a way where it's it's understandable only because I saw so much and I heard even so much horrible stuff in NFL DFS that I maybe I should put double the volume if people are this. If I could put up a score that didn't cash in some double ups and still got 70% of my head to heads because I look through lineups and go, are people really this bad? Because they don't understand daily fantasy concepts. And they try to, like... And these are smart people. These are people that do NFL analytics. And they're awful at daily fantasy. Because I look through those... Well, based on X, Y, and Z, I put his projection one point higher. And I, and I go, okay, that's that's nice. How about his price? And how much... How about that effect for the rest of your lineup? And how about positional scarcity and how about mm-hmm. bust potential how about in even in cash ownership even is like if to block pers- perspective like all of those other considerations that's the game of dfs getting the difference between well i put him as an 8.2 percent uh 8.2 and this guy at an 8.5 like really you're gonna make a choice over 0.3 points mm-hmm and say, I'm playing the guy with 8.5, because if I play... Yeah, but the guy at 8.5 is 200 more than the other guy, and and the guy with the projection is in a much lower total game, has a much worse quarterback, and half the field is going to play the other guy. <laughs> so it's like... Those first two d- things are probably built into the projection, though. Sure, but the projection is still a range of outcomes. Sure, sure. 
So, like, yes, uh, if you play this out a million times, he gets .3 points more. But is the distribution curve, which which has a flatter distribution curve, mm-hmm. which has a, well, technically a narrower, narrower yeah. di- distribution curve, that when you're only going to be getting double your money or whatever if you're playing cash games, and you're not going to be rewarded for the times he puts towards the higher end of the distribution curve, shouldn't you side in double-ups with the guy that is more likely to have the get closer to the median? That Maybe that's the better way of putting it math-wise. Don't look at the projections. Cl- get, I want the probability of the median projection being achieved. So let's say a guy has a nine-point projection and a guy has an eight-point projection, just to have a point difference. The chances of the eight-point guy hitting median projection is... 70%. And this guy hitting meeting projection is 45% at mm-hmm. nine points, which basically means that he has, you know, a 10 point, a 10% chance of hitting a 10 point score or an 11 point score. But this guy has a much narrower range of outcomes and it's a one point difference that, yes, if you played it over the course of a million times, this guy is going to be go up and down a little bit more than this other guy. Well, that's mm-hmm. why you play the that guy in GPPs because when he does go over, when he instead of hitting nine, he hits thirteen. Yeah, you get paid for it. While the other guy, like, it's less likely he's going to give me four points versus six points. Like, I'm taking that because when I only have to hit the fifty fifth percentile, I don't have to take the person that has the highest median projection. I need to take the guy that has the highest chance of hitting his median projection versus the price versus the actual, obviously, projection. Mm-hmm. Right? That's really the consideration that cash game players are looking at. That's why, like, for very high goal-scoring odd forwards, sometimes that they score too often where they become cash plays. Because, yes, they're going to be boom or bust, but and especially on slates where now you have to fit in other people in your lineup. So, like, while you can take Kane, you could have easily taken Kane and JBG, but why didn't you? Like, you could have taken Kane, JBG, and Madison. Right, Andrew? Mm-hmm. But the reason you didn't like the rest of your lineup is because you saw a lot of low-median projection players, in your head at least, that have much higher non-probability of even hitting their median and have very low chances of even going over their median. Like, you look at Simon Francis. You don't look at Francis going, uh, if he gives me 14 points, I wouldn't call that odd, right? <sighs> but if he, Francis put up a one-point score, you wouldn't be surprised either, right? Yep. For, I'd but, be more surprised at 14 than one. Right. But the point is, is that, like, his floor is, when we say floor... His median projection is, in his role, maybe four points, mm-hmm. right? Something like that. But it's like, you look at that play. I'm not saying that specific play. I'm just using that type of player. Go, if, why do you play, let's say, for instance, Simon Francis in that spot and Chris Lowe. Let's say they were the same price. Why do you play Lowe over Francis? Set pieces? Well, I'm just I'm not sure I do because I have Moy. Well, well, now because now you're taking now, obviously you're making decisions based on who else is in your lineup, which is another sure. part of daily fantasy. Yeah, you always have to. Yeah, but I'm just saying that what if if Low put up a one point score, you'd be pretty surprised. Yes, right. If Low put up a 16 point score, you wouldn't be shocked. I mean, it's at the high end of it. I mean, he probably has an assist doing yep. that, but it's the same assist that Simon Francis could have, right? If Francis right. got an assist and had 11.25, you'd be like. Oh, that's a high-end range, but it was because of one event yep. that doubled his score. But if you had to say that if Lowe's median projection uh, for his price, let's say Lowe was even more expensive. Mm-hmm. So point per dollar, they were equal. So Simon Francis's four-point median projection equaled Chris Lowe's six-point median projection adjusted for salary. You'd still, feel sa- you'd still be safer. Now, I'm, I don't want to use the term feel. But Lowe is more likely, probability-wise, of hitting his median projection, if you play this slate a thousand times, mm-hmm. than Francis. 
Yes. Even with the same number. Yep. So this is what I mean by range of outcomes. And in contests where you're not rewarded when they overperform and get the top end of their range, which some players is higher. Indeedy doesn't have a high range. Right? Correct. Indeedy, if Indeedy put up 15 points, it's it's some luck box. I mean, like, you're not going to see it that often. Yep. That If you're going to play him for that reason, then that should be for GPP. But Indeedy putting up a four or five point score is a high probability. Mm-hmm. Like, but you're probably not going it, to... If, if the rest of your lineup doesn't work out, you're not going to look at Indeedy and go, why didn't Indeedy save me? Right, yeah. <laughs> right? But you look at Indeedy and go, for 3,400, can you give... How often, probability-wise, will you give me four points? And then I look at the rest of the player pool at midfielder at that range, mm-hmm. at 3,400, and go, who has a higher probability of getting me four points? Mm-hmm. Not of getting me six, not of getting me one. Just getting me four. Yep. And, and he's the best option. And then I look up to Shelby... I go, I think he's higher than Ndidi, but I don't have the 300. Mm-hmm. So now I look and like, I would like to go from Ndidi to Shelby, but then what does it do to the rest of my lineup? Yeah. And then you have to go through and weigh the probabilities. Like I look at Trippier and Holobus and go, the probability of them busting is a very low, right? Yeah. But you're paying for it. 7,400 sure. for Trippier. Sure are. Right. Like a bus for Trippier is eight points at that salary, right? Yep. Seven points. But it's, it's, I'm not getting four points from Trippier. I mean, mm. barring an injury, obviously. Holobus, same thing. Like I look at those plays and go, they have a high probability of hitting their median projection. But you're, I mean, which is equating to their salary. Because Trip, Holobus putting up 12 for his salary and Indeedy putting up 4.75 is the same, right? Point per dollar concerned? Right? Yes. Yep. So they both... Now, if Holobus's meeting projection was 12, and you go, what's his probability of him putting up 12? It's going to be very high. Right? In comparison yes. to Roberto Pere- uh, to Ricardo Pereira. Sure. Right? But those are the the, the, the explanations that I'm, I'm trying to... You know, that what makes it... That's the cash strategy for daily fantasy. And we see in soccer... From a long-term perspective, as as far as the way that soccer is played, the, the way that the current scoring system is, is that a lot of times the cheap fullback, as long as they're as long as they cross, as long as they're that type of player, you're not playing Paul Dummett types of players. That the differences between a 5K and a 4K fullback like that is so negligible. Yep, that you'd rather have the 1,000. In a long-term perspective, not on a specific slate, but just as a general strategic perspective, we also know that goalkeepers are highly variant. Mm-hmm. That, depending on the match, I mean, like you could, you could make a case for any keeper you want. So, I can't call you stupid or not stupid for playing anyone. I go forwards tend to be that player pool tends to be very top-heavy, meaning very boomer bust type of options because it's very goal dependent yeah. types of players. So it's less likely you'll find players that have high probabilities of heating their median projection. That's a better, maybe that's a better way of explaining, like have a higher floor. It's more of a, even if Kane and another guy at 11 K or whatever have the same quote floor by median projection, the guy with the with the monopoly, you know, charisma, is more likely to hit the median projection than a goal dependent forward. Uh huh. But in NFL, it works the same way. I mean, there there are long term like NFL defense is highly variant. Sure. So you yeah, can have all concept. the right all all the median projections you want. Like since defense is so highly variant, prioritizing. Defense is not worth your time. Yep. I mean, you may have your favorite one if you can get whatever in. Tight end is similar in a similar way. That a lot of times at tight end, that the top end options, the, the holobuses and the trippiers, are the best plays. I mean, mm-hmm. you can, but if you're not playing those guys, a lot of times 
Uh, the cheapest one with the highest, with the most amount of snaps is fine. Sure. Because they're all going to be like touchdown dependent. They're they're not going to see that many targets. So, you know, when in doubt, go all the way down to tight end. Doesn't mean you have to take the cheapest one, but I'm just saying take a really cheap one. Mm-hmm. One underneath 3K. But that's a general, That those are general rules. There are some cases where if they're, if a running back that's 3,500, that's going to be seeing 90% of snaps, a backup comes in or whatever. And like, that's such a great value that you end up, you're able to pay up for the the trippier of and holobuses of the tight end position. Yeah, you can do that. And same for wide receiver in NFL. Wide receiver is more is higher variant than running backs. Running sure. backs that that catch balls out of the backfield are have a higher probability of hitting their median projection than wide receivers. Sure. So in general, in contest types where you don't gain anything for a wide receiver putting up a 200-yard three-touchdown game. The pass-catching running backs typically have the highest chance of hitting their median projection. On drafting sure. scoring. At on drafting, yeah. But with PPR. Uh, so usually that's why you use your flex and you play three pass-catching running backs. Mm-hmm. And that's why quarterbacks typically are very flat. <clears throat> the difference between... Quarterbacks could be three or four points mm-hmm. on average. So paying down a quarterback, maybe not all the way down, is these are generalized strategies, but they're based on a long-term viewpoint of probability of hitting median projection rather than median projection. And it's something that I I saw on Twitter yesterday after the slate from some analytics people that do play daily fantasy, and you take a look at their lineups. And it's like, when I when I see people I'll process over results, it's like, dude, you lost five weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. It's not process. Your your process is wrong. Like, well, I I missed on this guy, but I I I got this guy right. Yeah, but you got you still got fifteen points below the cash line because you played this other guy instead of the guy that fifty percent of the field played. That you're like, well, he was a bad play. It's like not for the price, not for what it allowed you to do for the rest of your lineup. Like that, all the other things. Well, I thought his meeting projection was low. I said, well, for his price, you know, let's say uh, on this past slate, uh, Kieran Trippier was minimum priced, 3000 mm-hmm. Is there any chance he's not in your lineup? No. Only he because. He be in everybody's. He should be, literally, even probably even in GPP at that point. Right. Uh, only, and what's the reason? Because. The chances of him hitting his meeting projection are so ridiculously high. But you could make a case that if Kane was 3,000, you don't play him. I'm not saying you do. I mean, I'm making a very extreme example. Yeah. But, but you understand that. But sure. Right. But let's say Kane was 3,000 or Trippier was 3,000. Trippier still has a higher shot of hitting his median projection than Kane, right? Oh, sure. If you could only play one, they're both minimum price. On this past slate, and you can only play one of them. Mm-hmm. In cash games, I play Trippier, and in GPPs, you play Kane, because Kane has a more more of a probability of getting his top end range, getting a forty point game, than Trippier getting a forty point game. Sure, right. This is taking ownership aside. I was gonna say, yeah, it's a little more right. This is the, but and positional, the li- right? But the little bit more is what I'm talking about. Of like, you're weighing this for also your whole lineup. You're weighing this for everything. The the probabilities all combined. Plus, then you have to weigh in obviously ownership. You have to weigh in, uh, you know, contest type. You got to weigh in all that type of stuff. That just looking at median projections and going, well, this guy, this guy had, uh, this guy could have gotten zero. It's like, yeah, but he could have gotten zero for thirty three hundred. Mm-hmm. You played a guy that could have gotten zero for fifty seven hundred. Mm-hmm. Now, your guy has less of a chance of getting a zero than this guy. But one for nearly twice the price, is he twice as likely to not get a zero? Is he twice as... And then now you add those probabilities to the rest of your lineup, and you go, well, that means I can't play this high, high probability guy. That's why I looked at the Madison going, I really want to play Madison. But once I put Madison in and then put Townsend in instead of Sigurdsson and then start 
putting other people in my lineup, I go, the probability of this whole lineup combined hitting their median projections, if you want to use that term instead of floor, uh, for 55th percentile score in double-ups, I like the one without Madison. Even though apples to apples, Madison to Sigurdsson, $400 less, I actually prefer Madison. But he mm-hmm. just he's not forward eligible. Yep. And I can't put that in. So that's the that's the game of DFS. Whenever I say the game of DFS, that's what I mean. I mean I although you disagreed me with me on some like actual examples that I tried to use, <laughs> do you at least understand sure, like, the sure, concept yes. that I'm talking about that like I'm not poo pooing projections. I'm not poo pooing models and and putting all this and and all and when people say, well, I factor all that into my projections, it's like, but you're still just getting numbers. Like you, you still have to factor. Like you got to put eight guys in these slots for these prices, in these contests. Like you can't fit in. You can't. I mean, you you can't fit in all the highest projected guys. And that's what optimizers do. Like optimizers look at the, all the numbers, projection wise, and go. How do I fit all these numbers in versus their price so it fits into all these slots? And it fits them all in. But it's not factoring the probability of them hitting right. those median projections. So you're putting in like a cane. You have a you have a cane, you have a center back or something. I mean, like you, you look at that and you go, okay, over a million times we play this over, that lineup and my lineup ends up breaking even. Mm-hmm. Over the long run, but we're not playing the long run. Yeah, but my we're but my lineup today. is more likely. Right. Well, my likely is more likely to, you know, to hit today, mm-hmm. and your and that lineup is more likely to when it does overperform, give you a score where you could get paid at five times the amount. Right. For a double that I think that's the main point is like when you. The, the whole concept of you could do whatever you want in GPP is that like when you're getting paid 300x, I mean, even, even in a soccer GPP, and you're playing the Galazzo, mm-hmm. right? And it's what? Uh, what it's what, five bucks and you get what? 2,000? 2,500? 500x on a lineup, right? Well, that's any center back at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Any, I mean, any center back. You want any center back you want to play? Do whatever you want. Now imagine if I'm saying that, what's the millie maker in NFL? You're right. Yeah. A backup running back that just got activated and is the third. On... I can't say that's completely nuts. I mean, is it for a $10 entry? Are you getting 100000 to one on that type of lineup? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it encompasses nearly every con- anything you could possibly think of. So in soccer, any center back, it's the same thing. But you're telling me that it's like either I get, I put in $5, either I get $10 or I get $0. I'm like, like, why are you playing anyone that has that low of a probability of hitting their median projection? Right. Like, you should focus more on that. And the amount of volume that you play and the amount of distribution of your head-to-heads or whatever, like, you're looking to reduce your variance. If you're if you're putting up scores where in double ups you're playing double ups and you're getting first in a double up or last in a double up, then you're not a good cash player. Mm-hmm. You should be playing. You'd be. You would have made more instead of in two different two. You would have made more yeah. just playing GPP because when you did come in first in the double up, you would have gotten twenty extra money versus now you you've actually lost money because over the course of two weeks you lost to the rake. Right. Or whatever, you know, like that. I think I've explained that enough. Yeah. But yeah. we've talked about this. But I mean, this isn't like a concept we've we've not discussed on mm-hmm. like Ask the Shark type of episodes. But I see it in other sports, and I go, "Dude, you seem so smart when it comes to breaking down. Like, you have exceptional like Python and Excel stuff, and all all the stuff, all the stuff." All the analytical stuff, all the academic background. And I'm like, you're still playing a game. And at the end of the day, sometimes you have to think in terms of, I mean, this is, to me, this is a cop-out, but I, I do happen to agree with it, that 
if all the high-stakes sharks and profitable players and guys that have been playing DFS and winning, especially cash games, the high-end guys, and you go, wow, this guy's 86% owned in the whatever, highest amount of whatever, that, but he's he has a .7 less, I'm going to side with the guys that are good at the game, <laughs> right? Rather than, because you still have to put together a lineup with all of your projections of your 700 players. Mm-hmm. And it's not a matter of .7 versus 7. It's a matter of a lot of other things. Right. Love it. No, you Anybody don't. You don't sound like you love. You don't sound like you love it. Well, it's not new to me. Yeah, but it's a. It's a. I think it's a concept that that I think. I think a lot it's of overlooked. Get, I think you're absolutely right. No, I don't think it's overlooked. I think oh, it's I gotten. There. It's gotten intuitively. I think the better DFS players get this intuitively, less so than on like spreadsheets. Like that's that's the thing that I'm kind of. When I say that I'm not a spreadsheet projection guy, mm-hmm. even though, like, I do analytics for a living, like, for marketing. Like, I am a spreadsheet. I am that guy. But you got to judge based on the game that you're playing. Like, in poker, you, you got, it's, it still comes down to, do you think that, how often do you think this guy has this combination of cards? Is it 20, I think it's only 20% of the time, but I'm getting paid 7 to 1 on my money? I call, mm-hmm. and then I look like an idiot when the guy shows me a straight flush. I mean, like like that type of thing, where it's like, well, I only have to be right 10% of the time because I'm getting paid 15 to 1 of my money. Mm-hmm. So I call with queen high, and the guy shows me a full house. I mean, like that type of thing. Like, that makes sense. It looks stupid from the outside, but if you if that is your if that is your projection... But let's say it's a pot size that encapsulates your entire net worth or something. (laughs) Like maybe you don't, maybe, yes, maybe you don't take the shot there. Maybe you just fold and go, you know, I want to make a house payment next week. You know, Mm -hmm. like that, you have to take that into account. It's the basics. I've gotten DMs. I've gotten DMs since the showdown win. Of course, it seems like you win something and all of a sudden people come out of the wood, wood, you know, everywhere. Give me tips. Give me a lineup. Give me whatever. And I, I typically, I no, I'm not. Whatever. Uh, and they ask for like tip. Like, like, what's your biggest tip? What's my biggest tip? And I think everyone hates me for it because on DM I always it's like think of daily fantasy as a game, not not don't, don't focus on the sports as much. And most nearly all the responses back to that is like I don't understand what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then my response back is. Once you understand what I'm talking about, you'll become very much, much better at daily fantasy than you are when I get DMs saying, do you think X player is a good play? Mm-hmm. Because, okay, that's that's like the 17th thing on my mind in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, now, now you could now do the outro. Okay. If anybody wants to do any player picks for Jordan... Or ask him about player picks. You can find him on Twitter <laughs> at Blenderhead. That's Blender HD. I'm at Rotowire Andrew. We're available in the Rotowire Discord as well. For anybody uh, who is a subscriber and hasn't joined yet, you can just go to rotowire.com slash chat, C H A T, and there'll be a link right there for you. Uh, we are going to be back in a week. We're going to take Thursday off because we're going to ignore the Nations League because, uh, like Jurgen Klopp, we think it's uh, really stupid as well. So, Jordan, thanks for that, and I'll talk to you next Monday. Thank you for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Soccer Podcast. For more great content, visit rotowire.com slash soccer. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.